Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. I want Super Bowl. That's, that's all I want. I don't care if, you know, I don't care what happens. I want a Super Bowl, and of course, I want to beat the, beat the Packers. So, I, <laughs> you know, that's really the only thing I want in life right now in my life. Steve Rosenblum. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. That was Justin Fields talking about winning the Super Bowl, beating Green Bay. That was Jeff Joniak on Bears All Access, chuckling at that. So there you go. That's what Justin Fields wants to do. Well, that would be different. That would be different. So based on three days of practice and playing touch football, Mark Grody, what are the chances the Bears and Justin Fields win the Super Bowl and beat Green Bay, either or any of them, this year? This might not be the year for (laughs) a Bears ring or Super Bowl or win on September 18th at Green Bay. That's not something I'm predicting. Okay. Okay. All right. Just want to know. Are you? Are you? Because I know you like predictions. I mean, you pick the Bears to go 16 and 0 typically, so I assume you have 17 and 0. 17 and 0. And then they're going to win all 17 playoff games, so they're going to go 34 and 0, my friend. That's what they're going to do. Honest to God, when I did the when the schedule came out and we did the exercise on one of the overnight shows where the producer would go through and say, "Okay, Grody, win, loss, win, loss." I somehow managed to, and this was very organic, it just occurred. I came up with eight wins somehow. I don't know how I did that, but I did. And in my head as we were going through the schedule, I was like, how did that come out to eight wins? Because I did have them having a a, a four-game losing streak towards the end of the season. Which is a familiar refrain. Right, right. Yeah, that's not exactly original. Different regime, different coaches, and all of that. But, yeah, they did like their five- and six-game losing streaks under Matt Nagy, didn't they? They did. Mark Rohde is joining me on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. So, Mark, Bears practice today. No Tevin Jenkins once again. Um, Some old guys, new names in spots on the offensive line. So let's start at the offensive line and then we'll work our way out to see what happened in practice today. Well, first and foremost, yeah, we still don't know exactly what is going on with Tevin Jenkins by all accounts, whatever it is. It it appears that it is not serious because they have said day to day. I think that although we were getting into some of the conspiracy theories yesterday when I hosted with Matt Spiegel is, you know, and this was Spiegel, I shouldn't make it my own, you know, Spiegel 
you know, thinking maybe Tevin Jenkins is had enough, and he's saying I'm a second round pick who's not getting any respect on this team, so I'm gonna sit to the side here and wait to get traded. I don't believe that is the case because they said that he's working with the trainer, that it's day to day, and I do believe that if it's anything more serious or if it's going to go on for weeks in terms of whatever is going on for him, then they would let us know at this point. So I do expect Kevin Jenkins to be back out there maybe sometime next week. Um, you know, as far as the, the rest of the offensive line is concerned, obviously the, the two veterans have made it more manageable to where everybody – falls into line a little bit better or it makes it feel a little bit more comfortable no matter what you do let's just say the bears decide on opening day that they do want to go with a a rookie and braxton jones at left tackle which i still think is a wild card although i do know that they like him but if if it doesn't work out then you have a veteran standing by or that veteran could be starting very well as well it just makes everything more comfortable along the offensive line i i expect that brian schofield will be starting at right guard i i don't know that there's a better option although sam mustafer has played a ton he is the guy that has played the most at at right guard and he you know once there was the the injury um early on to dakota dozier who was getting a decent amount of snaps at right guard that you know he took over and has been in that spot so it's very possible the bears are really high on mustafer but i would imagine schofield is going to find his way into that spot um rest of it i mean the lucas patrick hand injury creates an interesting scenario um, for now, hopefully he will be back before the start of the season, which was the word yesterday. That is very possible. He could you know, be back towards the tail end of the preseason and be ready for September 11th. Um, if he's not ready, then obviously Sam Mustafer can play the center position. You, ha- you do have Doug Kramer from Illinois who has been getting some looks. I could tell that they're interested in Zach Thomas, the the sixth rounder out of San Diego State, because he's gotten some work and has been promptly put in when necessary. So I don't think that there is a set. I mean, it, it just got more complicated because of the Tevin Jenkins injury and the Lucas Patrick injury, but they're playing with all parts. I do think that they have a... A blueprint in their mind and I think they've had a blueprint in their mind since they walked into the building and obviously they're not going to share that with us and the stock answer has been we're trying lots of different things and we got to find the five best guys and even the guys that you think are in place like Lucas Patrick and Cody Whitehair they're not even giving those guys the benefit of the doubt because I asked that question specifically can I at least say that Lucas Patrick, this is a question I asked to Matt Eberfels, can I at least say that Lucas Patrick is the center and that Cody Whitehair is the left guard? And, you know, not in these exact words. He said, no, (laughs) no, you can't say that yet. That, you know, the indication is that those guys are probably in pretty good shape, but somebody else could come in and take their jobs too. So they're certainly playing the game. That's for sure. Well, the game that Eberflus seems to be playing is he's, he's trying to gin up competition, and there's reason for it. Nobody should be – I can see why he would say nobody should be guaranteed anything. But are you – it doesn't seem like they will say anything, talk about anything, acknowledge anything, and I don't know if that is – if they're 
afraid? How do you judge this? You've seen various bears administrations dodge stuff or act like they're they're protecting state secrets. So what do you think this administration is doing? And is it would it be frustrating to a Bears fan? Would it be silly some of the stuff they refuse to comment on? I think they see this season honestly the way a lot of fans and a lot of media see it. They they know this is not the year. They know that this is not probably going to be a winning season. They know it's a rebuild, and they they know that it's a complicated word to use, so they haven't used that. But I don't see how they could be looking at it any differently than anybody else. They do not have enough dynamic playmakers on either side of the football right now, and they have not made any splash signings in the offseason there was no splash draftee this year i like kyler gordon and jaquan brisker in the second round but they're in the second round so those aren't exactly splash guys same with valus jones jr i i I love the possibilities of all these of those three rookies but there is nobody on this roster or very few guys on this roster um that you could look at and say that's a dynamic playmaker i mean roquan smith robert quinn and that's it. I mean, Darnell Mooney has his moments. Justin Fields has his moments. But there, how can the Bears management head coach look at this year as anything but a sort of undoing of the previous regime, making it more manageable to perhaps sign a bunch of guys next year? But this is, you know, a true rebuild and figuring it out. And when we say rebuild in the NFL, I, that should not be devastating for people to hear because rebuilds in the NFL last one and two years. So, um, yeah. you know, it, yeah, it's it's too bad that 2018 didn't take for the Bears. But this is the official this season I look at as the official undoing of what the Bears were building or what the, the Bears thought they were building in 2018 it finally has come to a crashing halt because the Bears got worse every single season after 2018 under the previous regime. So now Ryan Poles and company are undoing that and trying to make this team as manageable as possible. But at this point, it, it is void of big-time playmakers. And, and I, I, I get angry at the previous regime, Ryan Ryan Pace would hide. John Fox played Bears fans for stupid. Matt Nagy thought he was protecting state secrets, much like Eberflus and Poles are talking or not talking. And the idea of rebuild, you could, if you're Ryan Poles, you could say, we're rebuilding. We expect it to take one year, and then we'll be contending in the NFC North again. You could say that. Yeah. Because of what you sure. just said, Mark, that rebuilds in the NFL, they turn around. Half the NFL playoff, field is made up of teams that miss the playoffs the year before. You could say that. We're rebuilding. And then we're going to build it up really quick. This is not your father's rebuild. You can do that. The, to say anything less means it comes off like you're playing Bears fans for stupid. And I, I resent that. Well, I, I will say, though, to their defense, other than the the opening day press conference where they said they're going to take over the North and never give it back. Mm-hmm. They're not coming out here with all this bravado. And, you know, when Ryan yeah, Poles true. has spoken and yeah, and Ibrahim has spoken, it's been very measured and there's nobody saying we expect to win the Super Bowl and 
So I think that they are being realistic and they are looking at it and saying, we're not going to say the word rebuild, but look, look, you see it. Look at this. Look at that. Look, come on. Come on. Connect the dot. They're, they are allowing us. They're not they're not pushing back. You know, it's it's a prevailing opinion. It's not like there's a chip on their shoulder. They're not doing that thing. I don't hear Eberflus saying, well, I'm reading all this stuff and hearing all this stuff about how we're going to suck this year and you'd watch out for them. Nobody is doing that. There is a plan in place. And the the plan that they have on their board would be, you know, to go back to the old Jim Hendry thing. Yeah, it'd be great to win this year. be awesome if the Bears <laughs> could su- surprise some people. And maybe, like, you know, have one of those weird first season with a new regime bumps, as we've seen in hell with Matt Nagy, um, with Dick Duran, with a lot of Bears coaches in their first years that they come out of nowhere and, and they succeed. So that'd be great. But I don't think that's the way they're looking at it. And that's not the way they're talking. And they're being very measured and sometimes frustratingly measured when we try to get an evaluation. What do you think of this guy? What do you think of that guy? There's very few guys that they have gone, you know, either way, whether positive or needs to work on things. So, yeah, I mean, I think that they're they're allowing us to interpret as we as we might. And they are not pushing back. Is there an actual injury that forced the Bears to put Roquan Smith on the physically unable to perform list? Do we know that they, oh. they would have to be able to provide evidence if any other team wanted to challenge it? The Bears would have to show, here's why he is physically unable to perform. Do we know oh, anything man. to be true? No, no, I don't know anything to be true. Um, but I don't know, Steve. It says in the rules that... You know, being put on the pup list, it is a that is for a football injury. So I can only assume that somewhere along the line, he must have gotten nicked up. You know, he must have gotten hurt. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm being kind of sarcastic right now. I don't know that Roquan Smith is hurt. I think that they probably did him a solid to put him on the pup list and that way we can they allow the media us you and i right this moment to have conversations like this and and say oh well he's on the pup and there's nothing we could do about it and they're not telling us what the injury is and they're entitled to do that at this point so i do think it's a little bit of a charade and i think it also goes back to they know that we know you know they know that we know what's going on (laughs) same thing with the rebuild they know they're not going to say it. They know that we know. They know the fans aren't stupid. They know the media is not stupid. You just look at the roster. You look at what they did last year. You look at what they lost off of this. And um, yeah, I think again, they, they, one one is allowed to interpret as uh, one would like. And um, yeah, there you go. Mark Grody is my guest. We're talking Bears football here on The Score, and this is Saturday's Suckage. The quote that jumped out at a lot of people this week, Jalen Johnson, talking about the way the, the, the coaching staff holds them accountable, especially compared to what he said, what we're used to. I mean, he's used to three years, and, and that wasn't much of a – so, so there wasn't much accountability – that's what I read into that, and he and Jalen Johnson said every or he added that every player has already been called out in meetings for not going hard, um, and and whatever effort and just the way you look on tape on film to the naked eye. What do you see when you've been allowed to watch practice and talk to players? How does 
How is their accountability manifesting itself in this coaching staff with this roster? Yeah, it's real is what I would say. And watching the practices, the training camp practices now, and the OTAs before that, you can see it. It's it's very noticeable, like how fast they are moving out there, how they're all pushing each other. You could hear the talk out there, which is not completely uncommon, but it feels a little bit more prominent under this regime than the previous. So it's it's noticeable. Like I, we uh, yesterday. We had uh, Zach Miller, the former Bears tight end, when I was filling in for Danny Parkins, and he he said it caught his eye. Dave Wanstead, my God, Wanstead, his review of the Bears was like glowing. And I I did think that both of those guys, I'm like, okay, come on, Wani, you guys are drinking the Bears Gatorade or here or something. But <laughs> and I thought about it. And I thought about it. I, they are seeing a a type of practice that they have not seen in a long time. And I, I don't know if, if Wani's practices were anything like that. Apparently not. So but both Zach Miller and Daywan said, I, I get it. I actually get it. I don't think they're drinking the Kool-Aid. Um, I think they just saw a style of practice that they are not used to. And it is different. And it, there is a lot of hustle involved. The only players that, you know, the, the Jalen Johnson and Justin Jones gave us the greatest insight into it. I think that every, every, like all the players that we've spoken to even before training camp, that the ones that have been a part of it have just said, yeah, I mean, you, you are held accountable and you better hustle out there or you will be called out it doesn't matter who you are you know the loafs and all that kind of stuff that would suck i i have to say i i, I like it like from you know a a coaching perspective i think it's great guy like that's what we all want with guys to be held accountable and a hustle and all this stuff but god man that would suck if you're a player and you just have like one bad play uh-uh. you get dinged up you get buzzed for that and yeah, there, there's a loaf, you know, you get a five or six loaves, you get a one loaf, but you're going to get called out and we'll see how the players respond to it. I imagine that they'll respond well, because if you don't respond well, as one player said, you're not going to play. So follow, follow in line. And I don't think it's a bad way of doing business. I imagine some of the veteran players are probably kind of, you know, at times shaking their heads, like what's going on out here. But I think for the most part, it's been a pretty good system. Well, I think Eberflus is exactly the kind of guy Wani would want to see as a coach. They're very football-y, football-y guys. And, and I would think that he's Wani's predisposed to liking that kind of guy. And I could see why he would be impressed with that. And if guys are really flying around out there, that'd be great. And however, however you have to do it, however you have to get them to, to fly around out there, that would be superb. That would, be, that would add another layer of what they're doing. Um, the problem with, as you say, getting called out for everything, only if it's a loaf, as long as you keep going. But if you get called out for being in the wrong spot, the wrong place, then you're going to start thinking. And when you think you're dead, you're slower, and you're going to get called out for being slow and not on the spot. It kind of eats itself. And it's just a yeah. cannibalizing kind of thought mentality where you just have to go out and play. Find the ball, find the ball carrier, get could you imagine if Mitch Rosen kept track of loafs when you and I were on days that you and I host this we show never, together? We never loafed. We were doing double duty, Saturday Suckage and the Wake and Bake Club. Dude, we were right. doing double duty. We were, going, we we're two-way players. We are going both sides of the ball right there. <laughs> we provided a service. That's what yes, we, we did. Yes, we did, and we yes. still do. We suck, so That's you right. don't have to. 
Don't give him any ideas, by the way. Okay? Just no. He'd have to pay way too much attention to us, so to do that, that would be hard. That's so. One last question before I let you go. I really appreciate this. And right off the the practice field, we're looking for somebody after Darnell Mooney to develop a relationship (laughs) with Justin Fields. Could any who? Then they're going to go into pads on Tuesday, I think, and that's when you'll see who he can. He thinks he can rely on or start to rely on. Who's closest to being behind Darnell Mooney? Who's the next guy that Justin Fields you think develops a a a relationship with it of trust and he's going to be looking for him? I think it's Byron Pringle still, and that is subject to change. But if I have to give one guy that they appear to throughout OTAs and camp that there appears to be a decent amount of attention to or wanting to make this guy f- more front and center, it would probably be Byron Pringle. I think th- they're not giving up by any means on Nikhil Harry at this point. I mean, the, the, the beauty of Nikhil Harry, whom they traded for from the Patriots, the former first-round pick, mm-hmm. is that this is a big dude, man. You know, 6'3", 6'4", wide body, all of that. So, And I know that that's what they were salivating over in New England. So is it realistic to think that the Bears are all of a sudden going to get something out of him that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and those guys were not able to get out of him? I don't know if that's realistic, but they took the flyer. So I still think he's an interesting possibility. Uh, you know, Equinemius, St. Brown, a similar scenario, quite frankly, other than draft spot to Nikhil Harry just didn't work out with the superstar quarterback and Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. So those are all, those three guys are possibilities, those three names that I just brought up, but I do think Byron Pringle stands out so far. Well, we'll see. We put the pads on. It's a whole different game. And then you see who's, who's got, who, who's going over the middle, who's got real, um, who's going to deliver some hits. We'll see if, Eddie Jackson shows up because that would set a that would set a really good tone for all those young guys in the secondary. Well, Mark, maybe uh, Jaquan Brisker will set the tone with all. Yeah, his well, so we'll see. Okay, that would be. Yeah, there you Jeff, go. You report on that. I will. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. All right, brother. Talk to you soon. All right, Mark Grody, Malice Hall talking Bears, my friend. Bears had a practice today, and they'll put on the pads next week, and not. It's not going to decide anything unless there's a season-ending injury, but it may reveal certain things, and we'll follow that here on the score. Take a break. When we come back, there was a, um, a career worth remembering, and Julio Rodriguez is is channeling his, apparently channeled a version of his inner Pedro Serrano. So we'll discuss that and more as we take you up to 2 o'clock here on Saturday Suckage. I'm Steve Rosenblum. I suck so you don't have to. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Steve Rosenblum, it's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Yes, that's me. I'm, bear with me. I'm typing out a retweet with a quote, a question actually, um, to at Joe Foss 67117437. I have no idea how many other Joe Foss there were. Um, but 
it's he tweeted a picture of a tent that says wake and bake and it looked like you'd find it in a well certainly in a parking lot and i don't know where that is we really have to well we either have to get paid for remotes or we have to capitalize somehow on this financially i heard from a ton of people there's a wake and bakery <clears throat> in Northbrook, which I knew on Dundee, and there was a move today, or this week, there was a Senate bill that would allow marijuana businesses in legal jurisdictions like Illinois to ad advertise cannabis products and services on radio and TV without fear of being penalized by federal regulators. So here's the thing, you can have it... <clears throat> locally, recreational, like it is in Illinois and Chicago, but federally, and the Federal Communications Commission says it's illegal federally, you can't do that, you can't advertise on it. <clears throat> well, we often, Mark Rody and I often got asked about why don't we do Wake and Bake Club remotes, and that was the reason. Couldn't take advertising money from marijuana businesses. However, if this thing, if this bill gets through the Secure and Fair Enforcement Advertising Act, well then, coming to a WB Club tent near you. So Julio Rodriguez, all-star, um, got, got a lot of, lot of rightful time on the all-star game, and he, I love this story, he hit a Go ahead, three-run home run in the seventh inning of Seattle's 4-2 win over Texas on Wednesday. Now, you might think, well, it's late in the game, and, you know, you're focusing on what you got to do. You're looking for a pitch. Your, your hitting coach told you something. Well, according to his manager, Mariners manager and former Cubs catcher Scott Service, Rodriguez credited the bat he pulled out for that, what would become that home run, as different from the one he had used all game. This is the quote from Scott Service, that he quoted Julio Rodriguez as saying, the other one is sleeping. It's a day game. I don't think I'm the only one who would read that or hear that in our audience and think that you would get this if this hat this scene for major league the the pedro serrano scene had to come to mind you a golfer hats for bats yeah what's your handicap keep bats warm that's corbin bernson is darn Dorn is watching serrano put golf club covers on his bats and Doran thinks he's a golfer and Serrano and all the Joe Boo stuff <clears throat> keep bats warm hats or bats and there was Julio Rodriguez the slugging sensation <laughs> telling Scott Service his manager why he changed bats the other one is sleeping it's a day game how good is that how good is that all right so there was a, a a passing of a Caesar remind me 
So remind me that we, we're going to have a whole segment now of Caesar Says where I send them emails all week about what I want to do and then you have to tell me what I wanted to do. Caesar. So I'll give you the name Bob Raffleson. Is that right? Did that ring any bells? Okay. Now I know where I am. Now I know where I am. And and Bob Raffleson is a wonderful example of is a Hollywood legend. And he's one of the co-creators of the group that sang this song. For someone else, but not for me. Okay. He he co-created the monkeys. Bob Raffleson did. He died this week at 89. That's what I'm doing. Last weekend, actually. That's why I'm doing this. Because it is one of the weirdest, most wonderful career arcs. And hey, you, you out there, you can do anything. In fact, you can do everything. Raffleson co-wrote and directed and produced the movie called Head. It starred the monkeys in the 60s. His co-writer for that monkeys movie was <clears throat> Jack Nicholson. Yes, that Jack Nicholson co-writing a movie for the monkeys who sang, I'm a believer in hey, hey, we're the monkeys and I'm not your stepping stone and the last train to Clarksville and all sorts of wonderful bubblegum stuff. They were a group of actors and partial musicians, some full-fledged musicians who were put together for making a TV show and Jack Nicholson helped write a movie for the monkeys. So that was in 1968. In 1969, Raffleson produced Easy Rider, which, look at that, co-starred Jack Nicholson and Dennis Hopper. And in 1970, this is a hell of a run, i got to tell you. In 1970, Raffleson co-wrote and directed and produced five Easy Pieces, again, starring Jack Nicholson. So, from the Monkees to a made-up music group, that satisfied TV and did all those pop music things to seminal films starring what I would consider the greatest actor ever, Jack Nicholson. Bob Raffleson was the thing. Now, this is the kind of thing I often joke about. You know, parents tell your kids or kids ask your parents. The thing about Five Easy Pieces was it has one of the all-time great movie scenes. It is... Far better scene than her, but you can hear it, you can listen to this, and if you've forgotten it, you'll want to relive this. Jack Nicholson is at a diner with three women. He wants to order breakfast, and the waitress won't let him. I'd like a uh, plain omelet, uh, no potatoes, tomatoes instead, a cup of coffee, and toast. No substitution. What do you mean? You don't have any tomatoes? Only what's on the menu. You can have a number two, a plain omelet. It comes with cottage fries and rolls. Yeah, I know what it comes with, but it's not what I want. Well, I'll come back when you make up your mind. Wait a minute. I have made up my mind. 
I'd like a plain omelet, no potatoes on the plate, a cup of coffee and a side order of wheat toast. I'm sorry, we don't have any side orders of toast. I'll give you an English muffin or a coffee roll. What do you mean you don't make side orders of toast? You make sandwiches, don't you? Would you like to talk to the manager? Hey, Mac. Shut up. You've got bread and a toaster of some kind. I don't make the rules. Okay, I'll make it as easy for you as I can. I'd like an omelet, plain, and a chicken salad sandwich on wheat toast. No mayonnaise, no butter, no lettuce, and a cup of coffee. For number two, chicken salad sand. Hold the butter, the lettuce, the mayonnaise, and a cup of coffee. Anything else? Yeah, now all you have to do is hold the chicken, bring me the toast, give me a check for the chicken salad sandwich, and you haven't broken any rules. You want me to hold the chicken, huh? I want you to hold it between your knees. <laughs> you see that sign, sir? Yes, you all have to leave. I'm not taking any more of your smartness and sarcasm. You see this sign? Bad. He clears the table. That's just, I'm going to hold you. I want you to hold the chicken between your knees. That is one of the movie's all-time great scenes. That is that is Jack being Jack and such calm, such restraint, and then he's just going to explode. All right, thank you for that. And by the way, Paul Servino passed away, and I didn't hear this week. Caesar, did you hear this week? Did... Chris Tannehill give the guy from Goodfellas a Goodfellas treatment when Paul Servino died of natural causes at 83? I, I didn't hear for sure, but I'm sure he did, considering I, uh, Tanny's a big good, Goodfellas fan. Yeah, yeah. Well, Paul Servino is a, an accomplished opera singer, among other things, and a sculptor. And he was in, he was in um, Law & Order for a couple seasons. Everybody was in Law & Order. <laughs> the, the list of people who did Law and Order is pretty remarkable. And he did Reds, and he was in Dick Tracy. So he did two Warren Beatty movies, Paul Servino and Warren Beatty. There's a thing. But I need a show of hands on radio here. How many of you saw Goodfellas and started cutting your garlic, slicing your garlic with a razor blade? Anyone? Anyone? Okay. Just thought I'd bring that up. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, the the White Sox first round draft pick is we we are we love our trash pandas here. That's our team, and 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 that's our mascot. But I gotta say, Noah Schultz he's coming strong with his with his team, and we'll talk about that and some the Cubs trade who they got back for Chris Martin, and we will finish up the show. Take you up till two o'clock here on Saturday Suckage. Thanks for listening. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Steve Rosenblum. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Indeed it is. Thank you for joining me on Saturday Suckage. I suck so you don't have to. The White Sox are, they've been my white whale. At least this year. Of course, the Bears loom, the Cubs loom, the Blackhawks loom. Good Lord, everybody sucks. Or trying to. Steve Stone tweeted this out about 20 minutes ago. Here are some facts. Most of your criticisms are correct. Our boys have been trying hard to drop out of the race, (laughs) but the division won't let them. They're only three back, despite playing like a Little League team at times. 
We won't be sellers by 8-2, meaning Tuesday, August 2nd. That's the trade deadline. So you say there's a chance? Yes. And all that's true. Those are facts. Steve Stone is spitting facts. The white flag trade 25 years ago, they were three and a half back. And the chairman said, anyone who thinks this team can catch Cleveland is crazy. So. There you go. That's 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 where we are with this team. Now, Noah Schultz, when he was drafted by the White Sox, first-round pick. It's not surprising when you read all this when you when you read the Noah Schultz, we drafted him six foot nine left-hander. That's what the Sox do. It's always six foot nine left-handers. It's the fact that he pitched for the Illinois Valley Pistol Shrimps. That was his summer league team. He is, you might guess, the first pistol shrimp baseball player to become a first-round draft pick. We here at Saturday Sackage love our trash pandas. Adam Stunzinski is our trash panda, offering his services to sports director Ryan Port, who found a bunch of trash pandas in and around his barber, his grill, I think, recently. And our trash panda <clears throat> comes from the long line of dealing with these, including his father, Shooter, who opens the window from the house and just shoots at him through the window. And sweet Alice, who merely reports and keeps tabs and sends the, the results to our trash panda for use as content on the show. But we love nicknames here. So... I had to look up what's a pistol shrimp. And this is the wiki on it. The pistol shrimp grows to only one and a half to two inches long. It is distinctive for its disproportionately large claw, larger than half the shrimp's body. So like the shrimp is dragging around this thing that's half its size, and it's a giant claw. The claw can be on the either arm, Unlike most of the shrimp claws, does not have typical pincers at the end. Rather, it has a pistol-like feature made of two parts, hence the name pistol shrimp. So a joint allows the hammer part to move backward into a sort of a right angle position. And when released, it snaps into the other part of the claw, emitting an enormously powerful wave of bubbles capable of stunning larger fish and breaking small glass jars. When in colonies, the snapping shrimp can interfere with sonar and underwater communication. The shrimp are considered a major source of noise in the ocean. I think the White Sox should bring up more pistol shrimp, draft more pistol shrimp players, just so the pistol shrimp can be we need that. We need that noise, that energy, that threat. We need to see that instead of a wave at guaranteed rate field while the other team is batting and the other team hits two home runs into the wave. I, I have not seen that. Then again, I've never seen an 8-5 triple play either. And the White Sox are providing all sorts of of new and wonderful opportunities for baseball this year. 
Lance Lynn allowed four runs on six hits. There were three of them were homers of his four earned runs, five and two thirds innings. This is the easy part of the schedule. They lost at home to the Oakland A's. And so only the Oakland A's have fewer home wins than the White Sox, who have 21 home wins. There's only three major league teams that have fewer wins than the White Sox. Cubs, Nationals, A's. This is supposed to be the easy part of the schedule. Sox are one and two to start the easy part of the schedule. So you want to bet that teams in other cities look at the White Sox and say, hey, this is the easy part of our schedule. We're playing the White Sox. Lawrence Holmes, part of the score's midday extravaganza, Bernstein Holmes, he twangered. That's the best I can, that's Twitter with anger. So I'm calling it twangering. So he twangered White Sox 21 and 25 versus teams below 500. Stop talking to me about, quote, easy parts of the schedule. Not for this team, not this year. Bang. Close quotes. It's true. This is the 17th time the White Sox have given up seven-plus runs at home. The Yankees have done it twice. I believe that was courtesy of Christopher Kemka or Jay Kuda. I'm sorry. I messed that up. So I went to baseballreference.com because Steve, Steve Stone's quote, a tweet here and quoting him about the division won't let him. They're only three back, and they played like a Little League team. They won't be sellers, so there is a chance. Well, exactly what are those chances? According to BaseballReference.com, the Sox have a 28.8% chance to make the playoffs. I don't, I don't know what I expected to see that, but the way everybody's talking about how their talent is so much better than the Twins, and it's just a matter of time, and here we go, and maybe that's, you know, look, <clears throat> in town stupid as opposed to Matt Spiegel's out-of-town stupid. The in-town stupid tells you, yeah, yeah, they're ready to go. It's 28.8%, so they're they're pretty much 4 to 1. 3 to 1, I'm sorry, they're 3 to 1. <clears throat> or 1 to 3, if you say it that way. For comparison, the Twins are 58.8, 58.1% to make the playoffs. The Guardians are at 489 The White Sox, again, 28.8% chance to make the playoffs. The Sox are given a 19.9% chance to win the division, according to BaseballReference.com. The Guardians are 36.9%, almost twice the Sox. The Twins are at 43.2. So the Sox chances are 4-1 to against to win the division still stand better than winning a wild card. Real teams play in the wild card. So Steve Stone rightfully focused on and has rightfully focused on where they are in the loss column compared to the Twins and where they are in games back, games behind. So just for the record, and partially for yucks, <clears throat> we're going to take a look at this. Baseball reference. The World Series or bust White Sox's chances to win the World Series right now are 0.2%. So you're saying there's a chance. Yes, I am. The Cubs' chances of winning the World Series after last night's win in San Francisco against the Giants team that was so bad that even the Sox beat it are less than 0.1%. 
So the Cubs who quit trying after several Decembers ago after trading Darvish aren't very far behind the World Series or bust White Sox as far as BaseballReference.com's World Series odds. So look for that red line series, baby. And I want to go back to what Josh Harrison was talking about with chemistry. And Dan Bernstein had tweeted out that it sounded like a, a cry for help. And he was talking about, we can have good chemistry and like each other, but not play good baseball, not play winning baseball. We've got to get to the point where we rely on each other. And I'll go back to where we started this. Nothing. <clears throat> I haven't seen a suspension for Tim Anderson. I think that's coming. I don't know if it's coming that there is a, a reckoning for the White Sox. I don't know this season that propels them to a greater belief in World Series or bust. They're not now. They're not playing that kind of baseball. If there is accountability, and it starts at the top, Jerry's manager answers to Jerry, not the GM. The GM didn't hire him. The GM's been neutered. So that's the only accountability there is. There's really no accountability when the chairman hires you and you seem to get the job for as long as you want it, no matter what. And the general manager put together a team that might appeal to somebody who can be molded easier. Somebody who embraces analytics instead of weaponizes them, uses them to make a point or place hunches. Like I really thought Larry Garcia would be a, an explosive choice to bat number three. So when there's that lack of accountability from the top, you bet the players could see that understand it it doesn't mean they can't do it looking over at their locker next to them it doesn't mean they can't demand accountability from each other it just doesn't seem like that's happening don't know who has to be the one to do it they could use some of that they could use some focus i want to thank all of you for listening texting calling saturday suckage i'm steve rosenblum if nobody important listen to this show, then I'll be back next week. Thanks again. I suck so you don't have to. Chicago Sports Radio, 670, The Score. It wouldn't have been possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So kudos to you guys for sucking as bad as we do. Oh, yes. Wait Wait a minute, minute, Mr. Post. Wait, wait. Wait. Oh, yeah. That's it. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 